I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a culinary content creator giving us all a lesson in the art of the career pivot and the inspiration behind her mouth-watering recipes. She's a writer, a chef, photographer, and recipe developer behind the blog, Miko and the Dish. It's Miko Temple. Mika, welcome to the podcast. First things first, how are you beating the heat down in Dallas these days? Staying inside. (laughs) (laughs) AC on full blast, right? That part, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was just asked that the other day about the heat. I'm like, yeah, I fortunately have a job where I can choose if I want to go outside or not. So (laughs) So inside, inside for now. Yes. Well, I loved your crack and egg with episode because not only did you showcase a recipe that was inspired by your great grandmother, Gas House Eggs, you also talked about your journey kind of learning to enjoy the process. How did your evolution from corporate America to content creator kind of teach you all that? Yeah, well, when I left corporate America, I really thought I was going to have an advantage on everyone else. Uh I had come out with multiple degrees in marketing, business background, design background, and I thought I was just going to hit the ground running and I wanted to grow fast. (laughs) But what I learned very quickly is that building a community like a really authentic community takes time. And so while I was eager to grow quickly, um, it didn't necessarily happen that way. And so I had to really, you know, even though I had these advantages and, and they were transferable, I still had to take time to learn one food blogging, which it is an industry of its own, but also just really learn to refine my voice 
refine my cooking style and have something to offer that was different for, you know, compared to everybody else out there. And so that, that, that took time. And so, you know, I had expectations, but you know, reality kicked in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's a tale as old as time, right? A tale as old as time. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that you, you talked about in that video that I really liked is, you know, just being real, being authentic and being, you know, not afraid to kind of show you know, the mistakes, the bloopers, what are some like real life bloopers that you can share on any given day when you're working? Oh, gosh, food bloggers will relate the art of getting the shot. (laughs) Before I I have like a little mini studio in my house now. But before that, you know, climbing on tables, (laughs) I've contorted my body in all of the ways, burnt myself trying (laughs) to get the end process while it's bubbling up. You know, those are the things that you're just trying to get because you want for me, you know, being visually appealing is so very important. It's important in food anyway, because we eat with our eyes. So, you know, just trying to get that perfect shot and then, you know, working with your phone and it dropping in battery. It's just like (laughs) it's a it's a wonder that my phone still works. But yeah, the art of the shot is like constantly delivering bloopers. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I had a food blog for many years and it was, I, I feel like winter was always hard too. It was like, oh, I have less light to work with. Yeah, <laughs> you quickly learn that artificial light is your friend. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, so that artificial light is, you know, gone at 4.30. It's a little bit tougher, but no, I can, I can definitely relate. What were some of like the more unexpected parts while you were making that career pivot? I think it was unexpected. One, I I talked a little bit about the time it would take to kind of to grow my brand. But then it was also the unexpected how many hats you have to wear to be successful. I think when you're in a specialty, particularly within the corporate space, like you're a subject matter expert, this is what they need you for. And you have a cross-functional team of everybody else who are doing all the other things. Uh But as a food blogger, you're the recipe developer, you're the photographer, you're the on-air talent, you're the videographer, right? Producer. You're the (laughs) producer. You're the, you are, you're the accountant, you're the manager, you're the social media, (laughs) you're the social, you're, you're all the things. Literally everything. Yeah. And I think I was constantly like, gosh, I'm in a simulation of how to balance all these things all the time. I think, you know, as you go through the hills and valleys, you finally start to get a rhythm or you realize what's important and what makes the most impact, but it takes time to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, like speaking of which, I, I look at your grid, your your food photography is beautiful. Was that a talent that you had previously or was that something you kind of had to develop as you went along? Well, I guess you didn't go far back enough because- <laughs> Because it was definitely a talent that I had to develop. I did have some experience like with videography um, and design, but not with photography. And I knew that that was like a weakness of mine. So very early on, I invested in the equipment to make sure and the courses. But even after you take the courses, it doesn't click like you still have to work with the equipment and learn lighting and all these different term terminology. Yeah, it wasn't something that I walked into the space with, but like, I feel like the common thing I'm talking about is time. Yeah, <laughs> like, reps, like giving, right? Y- yes, reps. Yes, absolutely. And that really is what helped. Were there any other like additional skills that you had to learn as well to kind of elevate that co- content and take it to the next level? I think comfort in front of the camera. I think that's super important, particularly now when video is so, so very important. You really have to d- develop some sort of comfort with, you know, one feeling silly that you maybe are talking to <laughs> an inanimate object, hoping that someone else is on the other line or on the other end of it watching. Um, but I would say that. And then also 
um, <laughs> SEO. And that's one that's like, <laughs> like, I don't know if a lot of people outside of this, the food space really understand, like it, it, it really can make you or break you understanding kind of the analytical aspects of this particular work. I, it's really hard to grow without understanding some of the, the more <laughs> methodical things behind yeah. what helps you grow on the web. Yeah. I and mean, what are some of those things that you've learned? Cause I, you know, I can think of like a, a couple of things as well. Like, yeah, that I had never really thought of before, like making sure that the recipe is in like H recipe, like format and all this crazy stuff that you didn't even think like you would have to know, like. You're absolutely right. Thinking about the layout and the flow, like you go on and you're like, oh, I'm just telling a story. No, you're not. <laughs> you're telling a story, but it also has to be organized in a certain way. You have to think about what, what you give a heading to. You have to think about what words you use in the heading. You have to think about how you summarize the dish to attract people. You have to think about the overall title of the recipe. What's, you know, you there's a hundred of Southern mac and cheeses. Like, what are you going to say about yours in your heading? And just five words that really stand out and make someone wants to click on your particular page, right? So you just have to be much more strategic, particularly when it comes to those words. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. How have you found like working for yourself, you know, compared to what your career was previously? And is it more rewarding, even though it is in a lot of ways more work as well? Yes. Uh, well, so I have a lot of admiration for my time and for my peers who are in the corporate space. I feel like I learn so very much. But what I do have now that I didn't have before is ownership of my time. And so I, one thing is like, I think from a very early on, I always knew I wanted to be entrepreneur. I just didn't know what it what it may look like. And so to be able to be building a legacy that could potentially something that I leave for my children is something that I'm super excited about. But then also like we talked about, like if I don't want to go out in this heat, if I don't want to drive to an office <laughs> or a studio, like I can choose to work at home. And, you know, I would not say I'm working less at all. As a matter of fact, I think I'm working a ton more, but I can choose to front load or back load the work as I please. And that free Freedom is something that I really appreciate. How did you, you know, hone in on your personal style, your voice when it comes to recipe development? Because like you said, there's, you know, the, the space is so saturated. Like, how do you find your own personal voice and make sure it stands out among the rest? I think I might have talked about this during the Gas House Egg segment, but it took time for me because I tried a, a, a couple of different avenues or angles. And then I just wanted to do what felt like it flowed naturally, like I wasn't really working hard to do. And that was like thinking about my friends and what they needed. I didn't want a voice that was so far from who I am that I didn't that it didn't feel relatable. And so I thought about like my friends who are still in corporate America, who were raised by really strong women who were also in the workforce who may have been not as focused on the domestic side of things, but still like they're so they're striving for to be good at everything. Right. And so they need a reliable resource who they can turn to when they do find themselves in the kitchen. Someone that, that one that they trust, they feel like the, the, the flavors are going to be on point and that, you know, we're going to take into account some modern conveniences. And so those are the things that I wanted to make sure that I delivered upon was thinking about what my friends need and how I could develop recipes that kind of spoke to those childhood comfort food memories, but also kind of incorporate some of the modern conveniences. You know, who was that person for you, I guess? Like who had the most significant in impact and influence on what you grew up eating and cooking and what you're creating today? 
Well, I have to say my husband is one of them because I would not ever live this down. He's a true <laughs> Southern boy from New Orleans. And so, and he's classically trained. So he's taught me a lot about, about the food that I grew up eating and, and, and understanding identity and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. But then also I just my grandmothers and I have such fond food memories from like all of my grandmothers and how, how good they cooked. My mom was a microwave queen. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it didn't necessarily come from her, but if I go a generation back, like my grandmothers were the one who I remember being in the kitchen. My, one of my grandmothers, like I remember her cooking in her wheelchair, like making feasts. Like Mm. it was in, and granted, like I was a child, but it was just so impactful seeing like her making dough from scratch and doing multiple dishes and just like putting all her heart and soul into food. And that's kind of how that's the same kind of lens that I take on as I prepare recipes as well. When you think back to that time, like what what are some of the, you know, those memories that really stick with you as it relates to, you know, ingredients or dishes? Like we know the gas house eggs were the first thing that you learned to cook. What what are some of those other food memories that are just really like ingrained in your head that you you look up back on with fondness? Oh my gosh. I actually just rewrote a blog post about this. It's Peach Cobbler mm. from my grandma Jesse, the one who I just talked about who cooked in a wheelchair. So I uh, was born in Kansas City, Missouri and moved to San Diego when I was about seven years old. And my grandma Jesse is the one who sent for me to come out to San Diego. And I remember my first year, 1989, in her kitchen for Thanksgiving. And she allowed me to kind of help her in the kitchen. I thought I was helping, but really (laughs) I was just soaking everything up. And I remember her in her wheelchair, like making homemade pie dough. And and, and, and it's so interesting because I don't know if like most people, I don't know outside of the black community, how many folks actually eat peach cobbler with pie crust versus a biscuit. But, you know, that was the way that I learned how to make peach cobbler. And I will never make it, you know, I will never say another way is better. How about that? <laughs> but that's will, your way. <laughs> that, that, is, that is my way. And she made the dough for scratch and she allowed me to help her cut it. And just I just don't think I had ever seen something from scratch in that way Mm. and see how food comes together. Like a a lot of the things that we ate before that were like processed things off of the store, you know, shelf. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there is just something about homemade and those moments when you can incorporate that, that just feels just so much more special. And that's why I try to take a homemade or semi-homemade approach to a lot of the dishes that I have on my blog. That sounds really special. And I'm obsessed with stone fruits right now. So I'll have to check that out, too. When we come back, Miko tells the story of meeting her husband on a food production and later explains her vision for her organization, Eat the Culture. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. You mentioned your husband. Um, he is actually a chopped champion as well. He's from New Orleans. How did the two of you meet? He is. As a matter of fact, he took his chopped earnings to buy me our wedding ring. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, yes. even better. <laughs> yeah. So we appreciate chopped in this household. Okay. No, we met on a food production. So oh. we were both on air talent. And I had come in the day ahead, finished up my set. But I was staying an extra day. It was in Atlanta. And because I was there an extra day, I was like, oh, I'll help out. And I was assigned as sous chef. And he was he fell in love immediately. It was, <laughs> of course he did. Of course he, did. <laughs> he hasn't let me out of sight since. No, but he's amazing. He is so very talented. He's also a creator. So it's just nice to have that we both are in the same household kind of doing similar things. Who made the first move? Oh, him. Oh, <laughs> OK, so that's a story within itself. So we were all of the talent were going out for dinner. And he strategically sat next to me in the back seat. And no, like, he's just a bold guy. So he reached over and grabs my hand. And I'm oh. like, we're not even, we're not even, hold on. Like, we haven't even had a conversation. And I looked at him like, oh my gosh, like, who do you think you are? And he whispers, because he didn't want the rest of the people to hear, do you want me to stop? And I'm like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't. No. But also, who are you? Who are you? Yes, exactly. And it was kind of like, yeah, he was just bold. He knew what he wanted. And I was I was hooked, too. Uh, so as they say, the rest is history, huh? The rest is history. <laughs> um, you, you describe him as your kitchen partner in crime. So how, how do you work together these days, you know, after meeting on set, you know, back in the day? When I tell you it's been a journey. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and I think people automatically assume, oh, you guys both love to cook. You're in there like, you know, you know, just like two lovebirds. And it was not that way. He's classically trained. He's more methodical, right? More about technique. And he is like, you know, doing things. And he's so efficient. He just gets gets in and gets out. Whereas I'm very much a typical home cook. 
I'm cutting the wrong way. I'm holding the knife the wrong way. <laughs> I, he goes in with kitchen vision and he knows like I'm starting here and I'm ending here. And I'm just like, I'm just like kind of flowing. So our, our styles really clash in the beginning. Like we would get in full bone fights. Like we just can't cook together. <laughs> um, it just can't work. But I think over time, we've been together for seven years now. We've learned to appreciate the the strengths that we both have and we've learned to kind of lean into those he still comes in and tries to correct me on my knife skills but <laughs> ultimately we've definitely found a way to kind of merge our strengths to make the most impact for both of our businesses what do you think is like the biggest thing that you've learned from him and what's the biggest thing that you've taught him <laughs> ooh so that whole concept of kitchen vision, he has a whole like online cooking course, but he kind of talks about like, you know, that, that whole mise en place, like, I, you know, you, you hear it and you know about it, but you don't really incorporate it. Like the more prep you can do ahead of a recipe, like he always taught me, like read through the recipe one time before you actually go into it, make sure you get all those things set up and ready to go. Because then when you're ready, if something's happening, you're ready for the next thing, right? You're already prepared. And that was something that I really hadn't done before, like being with him. And I think, and I think from him, from me, he's learned like a little bit more just kind of flowing and playing with ingredients. Like I am definitely, I'm a pantry cook at heart. Like I'm, that's what I'm known for is like making something out of nothing. And I think we challenge each other to kind of get creative and use what we have versus going out and buying more things, like figuring out how to make what we have work. I love that. Do you guys ever have chopped challenges in your own kitchen? <laughs> um, I wouldn't call it chopped challenges. We don't actually go and get mystery baskets, but we definitely have challenges. We've done stuff from content wise for our audiences where we've had similar ingredients. I, I beat them. I, I just want to put that out there on the record. <laughs> I won. And we've also done, we love to do like fridge dump challenges where like at the end of the month where we're getting low on our ingredients or something is old before it runs out mm. for sustainability reasons. We try to find unique ways to work with it or to cook it. And I think one holiday we were like, oh, we're not going to do anything in this year. But then we <laughs> once it got closer, we're like, actually, we should cook something. <laughs> um, and we were like, okay, well, we're not going to go grocery shopping. We're just going to challenge ourselves to like, you see what you can do with these leftover ingredients and we had a whole feast just on refrigerator leftovers that's so fun okay when you're not you know creating content and that kind of thing who does the cooking at home like is it a team effort do you guys take turns or are you doing everything oh no 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 i he's fast <laughs> So I'm definitely leveraging him more than he's probably leveraging me. He's, he always says, like, when, when I married you, I thought you were going to be doing more of the cooking. And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, if he needs me, I jump in. But for the most, he does a lot because he's so much faster. But also we eat out a lot because, you know, we're cooking so much. We want inspiration. We want to constantly, you know, have some sort of creative something feeding into our creativity. So we actually eat out a lot, too. I love that. What's like your guys's go to place or, or favorite place in Dallas that you've gone to recently? Oh man. So yesterday we, cause every day is something different. We love, we love Torchy's tacos. Oh yeah. You've got, you had Torchy, Torchy's I've, tacos. But in Austin. But so I don't know if that counts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, it counts. It absolutely okay. counts. Yeah. Yeah. Love the creativity there. And then also there's a Thai place down the street and we just found out that they sell mango sticky rice Ooh. and it's like one of, 
it's got a special <laughs> place in my heart. And so, and theirs is good because it's not, it's hard to find a good mango sticky rice. So yeah, that, that place is now like at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Who, who, um, like who gets to pick when you guys are figuring out where you're going to go out to eat or do you kind of like trade off on that as well? He actually picks a lot because I don't like to have to decide. (laughs) So he'll ask me, he wants me to decide. And I'm like, why don't you just figure out something? So it's normally, I just leave it up to him. And I'm always happy because we have similar like taste profiles. So I think that's fair. Your decision is that you don't want to have to make a decision. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk more about the community that you talked about at the top of this interview and why that was so important to you. Like what makes you the most proud about the community that you have built so far? I think I'm most proud about kind of the two-way conversation that I'm having with my audience. It took a while to get there. I think you know, for a long time, I was just, you know, it's, it, entrepreneurship can be very lonely. And so I was just worried that like, you know, maybe I'd made the wrong decision. I had invested all this time into this one path and then in the middle switch. And I don't even know if anybody's listening to me. And I feel like, you know, in the past years, I finally started to see the fruits of my labor. People actually, you know, letting me know like how delicious the food is or how appreciative they are that I've gone to use ingredients that maybe someone else typically wouldn't use or showing them how to use it multiple ways. I I appreciate the two-way conversation. I think anybody who cooks for a living, that's one thing that they love about it is the fact that there's some instant gratification on the other side of it. And so that's one thing that I definitely appreciate is that like now I have I'm having a two-way conversation with my audience and mm-hmm. I can really hear from them what they love and what they don't love. And I think that that's like one of the things that kind of led to you founding Eat the Culture. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and why that's such an important thing to you? Sure. So Eat the Culture is an organization that I founded and it's all about amplifying Black creators and Black food ways. Mm -hmm. We are trying to find ways to really encourage more, more placement, more, more visibility Mm -hmm. of what we're doing and how, and the recipes that we're making and the stories that we're telling. And so it was really important to me in the beginning of my journey to connect with other creators who looked like me. Um, Because as I said, it just looks lonely sometimes. And then when your voice is not necessarily a voice that's that's mainstream or the types of food that you're cooking. It's not always mainstream. You want to feel like I'm not alone. And so I made an effort to connect with as many Black creators that I could. And out of that, I started developing these roundups, if you will, around Black History Month and around Juneteenth, around the holiday season, where we would get together and we would not only share our recipes, but we would do something that helped educate us about our roots and the types of food we eat in Black food ways. And also another element element of this was trying to amplify Black chefs, Black authors, and things of that nature. And so for me, Eat the Culture is a way to give back to community, Mm -hmm. the community that served me, that helped me feel comfortable in the beginning stages of doing this food blogging. And it also is a way to help just advance exposure of Black creators and hopefully build some responsibility and help support responsibility within brands and media to also make sure that they're including us in the conversation. What's been the most surprising or rewarding part of, of starting Eat the Culture so far? I think the I think the community aspect of like having I think other people kind of look for the same thing that I was Mm -hmm. just community somewhere you can talk openly, you can talk freely, talk about the challenges you face, you know, talk about 
the different things that, you know, hold you back. Or we have a Facebook group where we kind of are very openly talk about our brand deals. Sometimes we'll talk about, you know, you know, what the legalese is of these different contracts so to make sure that, you know, we're, things are fair. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just the most thing that I'm most proud of is that we have a community of people who keep coming back, who find value in what we're doing and who are helping one another. Yeah, I think it's I think that's great that you guys are, you know, talking about the money aspect, the brand deals, because it is kind of like this. It's a weird subject. I feel like sometimes people are like, you know, keep it close to the vest. Like, I don't want to tell. But I think it's important for everybody because like everybody benefits. Right. If we're all talking about it and making sure we're all getting paid the, you know, the fair amount. Right. I think that's absolutely true. And I think a lot of times we have this crab in a barrel mentality. Like if I share that takes away from me, but we just don't realize the abundance that exists out there. And, you know, you helping someone else out does not mean less for you. That's what if you're doing this right, authentic voice, your authentic voice is what sets you apart. You will be leveraged for you, for what you bring and the other person will be leveraged for what they bring that is authentically that authentically makes them who they are. And so, you know, we really have done, a, I think, a great job fostering that openness so that it doesn't feel com- as competitive. Yeah. Where, where do you see it going? Like, what's your vision for it down the road? A couple years? Yeah, I really want to have a conference like that's when I want to, you know, a lot of the things that we do is digital or virtual right now. So I think the community is yearning for something in person where we get together and we learn together. I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, some sort of learning workshop conference kind of kind of download together where we're learning about the industry. We're learning about the new things in photography, learning about AI, right? Like this yeah. industry is ever changing. And so I think, you know, making sure that our community is at the cusp of what's happening and prepared for what's coming is most is super important. That's awesome. What are some of your favorite black culinary creators that we should be following? <sighs> So I know you're like, I don't know, I get singling them out is like, you know, hard. Like it, it, it is hard. I'm going to be because I'm on the Food Network Obsessed podcast. I'm going <laughs> to shout out some friends. OK, of mine. please. So one of my really, really good friends who I am just so proud of and is a mentor for me is Jocelyn Delk Adams of Grand Baby Cakes. Mm. She just came out with her own cookbook. She is also a regular on the Food Network. And so she is just so very talented and a bundle of joy. And she really leans into to generational recipes. That's something I admire about her. And so she's the queen of like pound cake, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I I love her. If you're not following her, you should be. From the chef's side, I would say another friend of mine, Tiffany Derry. Mm-hmm. She is a chef of Root Southern Kitchen and also on the show Top Chef, right? She was a Top Chef candidate. She's on Bobby's Triple Threat. Yeah. She's on Bobby's Triple Threat. She, she was also on Food Network Obsessed, of course. Tournament of Champions. <laughs> like, yeah. she's out no, here. She's a powerhouse. She is just so dynamic and amazing. And what she's doing here in Dallas, particularly when it comes to, and I hate the word elevating, yeah. but she is showing such just appreciation in such a classy way for Southern and soul food. Like what she's doing is amazing. Her food is delicious. I absolutely love her. And for anybody else, I mean, we're always highlighting people in Eat the Culture. So you should be following Eat the Culture. <laughs> <laughs> so just go to Eat the Culture and see all of the people Eat the Culture is following and then follow all those people. And, there you and go. See, and see who you're uh, highlighting at the there time. There you go. Uh, what's next for you? 
what's next for me? Well, I think I talked a little bit about like just expanding Eat the Culture, mm-hmm. wanting to make it more of an in-person engagement type event down the line. That's one really big thing for me. And I think I've also had like on my horizon wanting to like write a cookbook. Mm. I've actually like before I even had the blog, I like I had asked for I actually self-published a cookbook. Like I won't show you it because it's quite embarrassing, but I think I've always wanted to have something physical that yeah. I can put place in people's hands with kind of the story of identity. I think my whole blog now is kind of transforming into this search for identity because I I come from a family that uh, that uh, has adoption. And obviously being an African-American, you know, in many cases uh, and descendants of the slave trade, we uh, we don't have those roots going all the way back to where we come from. And so like, I think my relationship with food has most recently been about identity and understanding who I am and why food is so important to me. And so I think writing a cookbook kind of about that journey is something that I'm really interested in sharing. All right. Well, we will be on the lookout for that. And don't be embarrassed about your self-publishing. That's still like a feat in itself. Like that still takes courage to put put it out there, you know? Yeah, you're right. You, all right. All right. We're going to we're going to remember that. Well, it's been such a delight chatting with you. We are going to finish off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you before we let you go. Okay. All right. Rapid fire questions. Summer produce that you wish you had year round. Watermelon and peaches. Uh, So good. If you don't live in Texas, you wouldn't understand what? Shopping and eating at gas stations are a real thing. (laughs) What's your favorite thing to eat at a gas station? Oh my gosh. Bucky's has great brisket sandwiches. Bucky's like the Walmart of (laughs) freaking gas stations. You, there's everything. There's clothes, (laughs) there's kitchenware there. I mean, there's everything. Deli, like everything, everything. (laughs) Yes. All right. Next trip. I'm I'm checking one out. (laughs) What could you make with your eyes closed? Greens. I love <laughs> greens. I on my blog I've got like a, a regular green, a hot instapot green, a vi- vegan greens. Like I love greens. Yum. All right. I'll have to check that out. Uh what's on your kitchen playlist? Anything like two thousands, like Neo Soul, Soul, Classic Soul, Stevie Wonder, Anita Aww. Baker, Erica Badu. Kind of that's my vibe. All right. Le- one pantry item you cannot live without. Hot sauce. I love (laughs) hot sauce. I use it as a topping like most people do, but I also cook with it. I love hot sauce. How many hot sauces do you own? Probably like 10. All right. That's a good number. Yeah. Food Network show you'd most like to be on? I always want the good food. So the best thing I've ever (laughs) ate. Best thing I've ever ate. Yeah. All right. Our final question is not rapid fire. You can take as long as you want on this one. And the question is, what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So like, take us through the progression of the day, the breakfast, the lunch, dinner, dessert, snacks, if you want to throw those in. There's no rules. So you can travel, time travel, spend as much money as you want. No rules. It's your day. We just want to hear about it. Okay, so I'd probably start up like I'm down for eating like breakfast or dinner and dinner for breakfast. I love that. (laughs) So I'd probably start off in New Orleans. There is a place and the name is like leaving me at this moment, but it's they have these able skeevers, the little round pancakes, and they have this lemon curd on the inside, like. Probably like whenever I touch down in New Orleans, like I have to eat those for (laughs) breakfast. I go there multiple times on my trip. And then also like in Gentilly, in the Gentilly areas, there's this hole in the wall place called Gentilly Spice Kitchen. Okay. And they have 
they have the best smothered turkey necks. And I've never, and I didn't really eat smothered turkey necks like that until I was with my husband. But I mean, you just suck. It's like, you know, it's like such a delicacy. It's just so good. It's just smothered in good old brown gravy. And it's just <laughs> tender meat falling off the bone. Like, <laughs> it's oh like, my gosh, that sounds incredible. Nobody knows about this spot. And I'm kind of like scared to tell everybody. Nah, you I, can't I, gatekeep that. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> let the people know. I wish people could see like your face as you're describing like the turkey. Because like I feel like that makes really makes it as well. <laughs> man, oh man, deliciousness. And for lunch, I feel like it would be a three-way tie. So I've lived a little bit everywhere. But so San Diego for tacos, either or Kansas City for a beef on bun at Gates, or you know what? San Francisco, some of the best Chinese food I've ever had. San Francisco Nanking House. Yep. <laughs> it, it would be it would be it would be one of those for lunch okay. for sure. You can have all of them if you want. Again, calories don't count either. So I love this. <laughs> yes. Can this be real? Can yes. This be real? I know. We need to make it happen. <laughs> and then for dinner, I'd probably go to DC. My favorite restaurant is Atenya by Chef Jose Andres. It is Mediterranean food. He he used to have one here in Dallas, but not anymore. But it's literally like my favorite dinner place to go to. What do you um, get there? Everything. <laughs> and I'm not lying. I literally order as much as I can on the menu. And I don't have shame because I'll take it home and I'll yeah. eat the rest. I love later. a leftover. <laughs> all of it and then since there is no rules i would go to thailand and have some mango sticky rice yes you would yes you would (laughs) go right to the source that's right why not that's where the best is so i'm going to the source and maybe some peach cobbler too to to throw in for for good measure why I'm limiting myself right now. I don't know why I'm doing that. You're right. Uh, well, that sounds like a an absolutely perfect food day. And we thank you so much uh, for joining us and, and sharing part of your story. And we look forward to uh, seeing the rest of it unfold. Thank you for having me, Jamie. You can catch Miko's episode of Crack and Egg With on foodnetwork.com. And make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.